a lot of people, not a lot, but several people that are visiting for the first time. And I do hope that you feel welcomed here by the people around you. Even more important than that, I hope you feel welcomed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in all the things that we have already done, we have, we've seen that God in Christ Jesus is coming to us, even like a shepherd calls forth his sheep. So if you're visiting here, and if you're not visiting here, I hope you've already heard from the Good Shepherd. And as you know already, that's what our passage is about in John chapter 10. It's about sheep and the shepherd. And if you've interacted with Christianity at all, if you've been to church at all, you know that God is often referred to as a shepherd. And maybe this is the first time that you've heard that. In a sense, it, it really doesn't matter because this idea of a sheep and a shepherd, it's not hard for us to relate to. I mean, in our passage, we're going to read about sheep. We're going to read about a shepherd. We're going to read about a sheep pen. The sheep pen or the sheepfold is there so that the shepherd has a place to put the sheep, particularly at night, to keep the sheep safe. Because at night, for sheep, the world is a dangerous place. You'll read it in our passage. There are, there are robbers and thieves and wolves. The sheep live in a dangerous world. Not only that, a shepherd would gather together with other shepherds and bring different flocks together in one sheepfold. And after a night of safety, one of the shepherds would come and he would simply use his voice and he would call his sheep. And in the morning, after being protected, that shepherd would call the sheep out and they would follow him and he would lead them out to eat and to drink and whatever else sheep may do during the day. Life. So our passage is, is not going to be hard for us to relate to. There are some things before we read this passage that I do want you to consider that I think are more difficult for us uh, to relate to. The first thing is this idea of a dangerous world. And I know we lock our cars at night. We lock our doors. We do things to protect our children. We try to be wise. But for the most part, living in America, I don't think it's on the top of our minds that this may be a dangerous world. Then, of course, the, the second thing that is hard for us to relate to is this idea of a shepherd. I can pretty much guarantee that you didn't come to church this morning thinking you needed a shepherd. Right? We're pretty self-sufficient, aren't we? And if we're not self-sufficient, we're doing everything we can to be self-sufficient. We're definitely not looking for a shepherd. And I'm going to push back on both those ideas in the sermon. Because I think it's incredibly naive, or worse than that, it's somewhat arrogant and proud. Because the world is a much more dangerous place than we'd like to think, especially in terms of ideas. And even though we think we don't need any help, we actually do. So as we look at our passage, the sheep and the shepherd, John is uh, laying out for us what Jesus is saying about who he is. So let's 
Turn in your Bibles, open up your bulletins. Let's read this passage together, if you will. Jesus begins in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So after Jesus said these things, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father, I do pray that you'd take this passage that uh, many of us are familiar with. I pray that you would would help us hear this morning, that you would help us hear not my voice, but your voice, the voice of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would lead us out, that we would follow, that you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning I think I'm going to do a little bit something a little bit different than I normally do. And I, and I say that, and that's really not the truth, because it's pretty much what I do every Sunday that I preach, but I just I want you to pay attention a little bit better. <laughs> I'm going to give you three ideas. We're going to go through this passage talking about three ideas, and for each of those ideas, I've got a, an application for us. It's, it's a thought application. I want, I want to ask some questions, and And in your seats, I want you to think about it and consider what your answers are. And in the end, we'll figure out if they're good answers or not. So the first idea that we're going to talk about is is this idea of dangerous places and dangerous people. You see, we'd like to think we are safe. We're doing everything that we can to try to be safe. But if we're honest, there's all sorts of danger out in the world. 
all sorts of people, all sorts of ideas, sometimes even our own ideas, and they are influencing us. They are leading us, and not all these ideas and not all these people, not all these places, they're not necessarily good. Secondly, we're going to talk about if it is truly a dangerous world out there, we need to be protected and we need to be provided for. In other words, we need to know what abundant life is in the midst of the danger. And the application for this is if we didn't think abundant life was important, if we didn't think we didn't need to be protected and provided for, we really wouldn't spend so much time trying to get that protection and that provision. The question that I want us to think about is this. What do you think is going to protect and provide us, provide for us? And more specific to this text, who are you listening to for that provision, that abundant life? So we have dangerous people, dangerous places. We have abundant life, protection and provision. And then lastly, we're going to draw it all together and say, how, we, how, how can we get that? And even as our passage says, I'm going to come right through the front door of the sheep pen, and I'm going to tell you that the only place that we can find these things in a dangerous world is in the person and work of Jesus Christ, because he alone is uniquely qualified. He is capable, he is willing, and he is able to be a good shepherd, to be the good shepherd. And anything else worthy of our listening to needs to line up with what he says. So that's where we're going to go this morning. Dangerous people in dangerous places, abundant life, and then where we need to go to get it. So let's look at dangerous people in dangerous places. You have to realize that as we come to John chapter 10, you cannot forget, and hopefully you've been here, but if you haven't, we're going to review it. You can't forget how sermons of of the last two weeks in John chapter 9. Because this passage is specifically linked to what happened in John chapter 9 when Jesus heals the man born blind so that he can see. That's why our passage ends with, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It's referencing back to all of John chapter 9. And the story in a nutshell is this. The greatest thing that ever happened to this man who was born blind was now he could see and he is overwhelmed with it. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. And in the end of chapter 9, after this great event, this, this sign, this miracle that Jesus does, the religious leaders kick the man out of the synagogue. You could say the bad shepherds kicked him out of the sheep pen. And the reason that they kicked him out of the synagogue was simply because he told them the truth about what, ha- what happened. The Pharisees, they say, this man couldn't be God or he couldn't be good, talking about Jesus, because he healed you, he made mud on the Sabbath. And the blind man who now sees, he says, I really don't care what you think, I really don't care what you say, all I know is that now I can see. And that's the one thing that matters to the man. And they kick him out. Now you have to ask the question, why do the Pharisees kick this man out? Why didn't they go after Jesus? He's the one that uh, supposedly broke the law by making mud, telling the man to go wash. Why didn't they go after Jesus? I will submit to you that it's not primarily because Jesus broke the Sabbath or supposedly broke the Sabbath. 
It's not about the miracle at all. The reason the Pharisees kicked the man out is because he's saying there's something special about Jesus Christ. And if there's something special about this Jesus, he's going to shake things up a little bit. And if you're a person who happens to be in power or you're a person who happens to have influence, if you have your own ideas about what is good and right, then Jesus' coming could be a dangerous thing. And we do have to understand the Pharisees in chapter 9. The Pharisees were religious, self-righteous legalists. It is true. But I do want to draw this idea of Pharisees out a little bit and tell you that you don't have to be religious to be a self-righteous Pharisee. I know plenty of unbelieving, non-religious people who are just like the Pharisees. They think they know what's right, and they try to convince other people that it's right as well. What both these groups have in common, whether it's a religious Pharisee or an unreligious Pharisee, neither, neither one of those groups have a problem with the Savior. They're looking to, some, to something to be saved. They just want a Savior who thinks like them and acts like them. They want a Savior who does what they want. And we have a tendency to not think that's that big of a deal, but the danger is this when you think about Pharisees. Because I want to draw it out into our world a little bit. Not just in church, but in the world at large. The danger of a self-righteous person who thinks they have all the answers. If you think that you have things the way that you want. Or you think you know the way things ought to be. And you're going to do whatever it takes to get those things. You end up being bent in on yourself and in terms of our passage, that's a bad shepherd. And if you're a bad shepherd, then if a good shepherd comes along, he's going to shake things up a little bit. Let me explain this a little bit. This is the application. This is what I want you to consider this morning in terms of why they kick this man out of the synagogue. There are all sorts of people in the world today. There are all sorts of ideas. There are all sorts of parties and groups of people. And we have a tendency to make them into shepherds. And even if we don't make anybody else into, the sh into shepherds, we have a tendency to make ourselves into a shepherd. And all these kinds of shepherds, they have influence over you. They lead you somewhere. And the danger is this. How do you know you're going to the right place? How do you know that you're being led to a place you need to be? And, and I really, I do want to drive this home. I, let's not, we don't need to be naive and we don't need to be proud thinking that we know everything that we need to know. Because the fact of the matter is this, that there are all sorts of thieves, there are all sorts of robbers and hirelings out there, and they're seeking to kill, they're seeking to rob, they're seeking to destroy, and we might even be one of them ourselves. I mean, the best case in this passage is a hireling. The hireling I hang out with you for a while, but, but when trouble comes, they're out the door and you're all by yourself. Isn't it possible that the world we live in is much more dangerous than we think? 
You see, we need to be protected. We need to know how to go about this thing we call life because we were made for something good. And you know we were made for something good. Otherwise, we wouldn't be looking for it so hard. This world is much more dangerous than we think. And there are all sorts of people out there, and they might even be our own hearts, that are leading us down a certain path, and we better be sure we're going in the right direction. This leads to our second point. We're looking for abundant life. We need protection. We need provision. And we need this in the midst of a dangerous world. From the text, listen, a bad shepherd, he will not enter through the front door. He sneaks in. He sneaks over. He's subtle about it. And Jesus says they are thieves and they are robbers and they come only to steal and kill and destroy. There's also the hired hand. I mean, the hired hand may work for a little while. But in the end, you're by yourself. In other words, the bad shepherds, they are just like the Pharisees in one way or the other. And I am, I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings, but, but I am in some measure, aren't we all a little Pharisaical? Right? It's real easy for us to get into our own little worlds thinking we know exactly what we need to know and if other people would just follow us, everything would be much better in the world. Pharisees are... It's not a perfect analogy, by the way, but it is close, and it's something that we need to think about. Pharisees are people with ideas who have influence, who have power, and they can manipulate the good things in the world, and it's very possible that we can be led astray. They promise us life. They tell us what we need to do, and in the end, it doesn't seem to work. In contrast to these bad shepherds, Jesus says there is such a thing as a good shepherd, and this is what the good shepherd does. He comes in straight through the door. He's right there in front of your face. He's not mean in front of your face, but he's full of compassion. He's full of love because he knows you by name. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. He knows you better than anybody else. This good shepherd, he goes before them. He saves them. He protects them at night. And in the morning, he leads them out to life and life abundant. What is abundant life? And I'm going to be very honest with you this morning. I, I don't know what abundant life exactly is for me, let alone for you. I, I do know it's never what we think it is. You know that too, because you all have had ideas about what will make you happy, and then when you get those things, you're not all that happy. So abundant life can't be just making sure that you get the things that you want. I do know this. Abundance is more than we need. And abundance is living in light of the danger and still being able to function and flourish in the midst of that danger because abundant life holds something for the future. Just around the corner, we know that there's something more there. And eventually, when it's time, we will get it. That's abundant life. We need to be protected We need to be provided for in the midst of this danger. I do have to point out that protection and provision, this abundant life, it comes in certain forms or there's a structure to it. This whole passage is very structured, right? There's a door where you're supposed to go in. 
There is uh, times to go into the sheep pen and times to go out. There's a gatekeeper. There's another flock, by the way, and this is very important. Jesus says, I have other sheep not of this fold, and they're going to be one. In other words, there are all sorts of people, even in this congregation, but especially out there, that are so different for us, we can't even imagine it. And Jesus says, this good shepherd, he's going to bring all these, these different flocks together, and he's going to make them one. There's one thing that's most important about this structure and this form. Listening and hearing matter. The word hear, is all, hear, to hear with your ears, is all over this passage. Meaning something or someone is speaking. In other words, who you listen to really matters. It's not necessarily how you listen, right? It's who you are listening to. Because there are all sorts of voices out there. They're vying for your attention and actually vying for your allegiance. And everybody's listening to something. And that does give you some pause to say this might be a little bit more dangerous world than I think. Because there are all sorts of voices out there. Think about, think about John chapter 9, the, the, the context of this passage. The Pharisees, they were listening. They only heard what they wanted to hear. I know a lot of people like that. I oftentimes can be like that. There were other people, if you go back in John chapter 9, you'll see there were other people listening as well. They were afraid. They were afraid because people held power over them, and if they listened too closely to the right voice, it might mean that it would shake their life up a little bit, and the possibility existed that they'd be kicked out of the synagogue as well. They were afraid. See, the Pharisees listening, they're listening to exactly what they want to hear. You have other people who are maybe timid. Maybe they just don't know what tomorrow holds. I would imagine that some of you are like that in here as well. Then, of course, there's, there's the blind man who was blind all of his life. And in his adulthood, Jesus comes to him and he can now see. And he listened as well. He asked Jesus a question. He or Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man or do you believe in the Good Shepherd? And the man asked, well, who is he? And Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. And he fell down and worshiped. The, the point here is, it, it doesn't matter who you are here this morning. All right? You can be a religious Pharisee. You can be an unreligious Pharisee. You can be one of those people who are who are really in the depths of despair and you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Or you can even be a man who has seen Jesus very, very clearly. The point of the passage here is, who are you listening to? Are you listening to people who seem to be in the know? Are you afraid? Are you, are you like the blind man? Either way, regardless of where you are today, there is such a thing as a good shepherd. Someone is speaking and we need to hear. And the question that you could sit back and probably spend a good bit of time thinking about is who are you listening to? How do you know they're good? Which leads to our last point. How do we know they're good? How do we know what voice to listen to? You know, by now, I mean, I said it at the very beginning, Jesus... Christ is the gate to the sheep pen. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. 
And Jesus is the good shepherd because he alone is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. He alone doesn't have any other agenda. His agenda is all about the sheep. This is what he uses his power for. This is what he uses his influence for. It's not bent in on himself. It's bent outward on others. See, unlike the hireling, when, when they run, when, when there is trouble, the good shepherd enters into the trouble, and he dies in the place of the sheep. He does it willingly. No one takes it from him. He has authority to lay down his life. He has authority to take it up again, which means even death has no power over the good shepherd, and no one or nothing else in the world can do what this good shepherd does, and no one else in the world comes completely for the sake of the sheep. And I want to delve into this for a few minutes. Because I I want you to see why we need to be listening to the Good Shepherd. Whether or not you're a self-righteous legalist that goes to church every Sunday. Whether you're a non-religious Pharisee that doesn't need to go to church because you have your own answers. Whether or not you've come to church and things aren't going very well for you and you don't know what tomorrow holds. Whether or not you got up this morning and you had your quiet time, and you had a good prayer time, it doesn't matter who we are. We need to know why Jesus is the good shepherd. We need to remember why Jesus is the good shepherd, and we need to know what empowers us to listen to him. And it's found in verses 15, it's found in verse 17, and it's found in verse 18. Verse 15, the Father knows me, and I know the Father. There is this, uh, we need to see this, there is this intimacy between the Father and the Son. Verse 17, for this reason, I lay down my life that I may take it up again, says Jesus. And then verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I need you to hone in on this relationship between a father and a son. Because let me say it like this. I am a father. Many of you are fathers. I'm a father now of adult children. They're 23, 26, and 28. I I love my children passionately. I really do. I would do anything I could do for my children, but as they have gotten older, I have learned that there are some things that I cannot fix for my children. I can no longer fix some of the problems that come in their life. But one thing is true. There is something powerful. There is something influential about a father's love for his children. Even so, there are huge differences between a human father and his children and the heavenly father And his son and his children. Remember, I already said there are some things that I cannot, I can no longer fix for my children. There is nothing that the Heavenly Father cannot do. And what you see in this passage is the Father and the Son with the most intimate connection between them. And I need you to get a hold of that. 
You have the heavenly father and you have the beloved son. And there's this intimate connection between the two. And what you see is they are entering together in the most costly expression of love known to mankind. All for the sake of his children. What you see is the father sending his own unique and beloved son. And this particular son willingly dies so that the other sons and daughters of God can live. And together, the father and son, the love that they have for one another overflows and pours out and gives the rest of the world and the rest of the sheep, his sheep, life. The son and the father love so much that they're willing to do whatever it takes to save the sheep. And this good shepherd, he alone is willing, he alone is capable, he alone is qualified, and he alone does it. And what I want you to see when you think about this unique relationship between the father and the son and how that pours out into the world and into our lives, what I want you to see is it doesn't matter where you are today. When this hits home, We say, that's the shepherd that I need. That's the shepherd that I want. I hear his voice, I listen to him, and I will follow him wherever he leads. It's in the voice of the good shepherd. It's in the message of the good shepherd that all those other voices will fade away, and we will go where he goes, and we will do what he does. You know why life is so complicated for many of us? Because we're listening to so many voices. We're listening to the the voice of the news. We're listening to uh, the voice of the workplace. We're listening to the voice of our friends. We're listening sometimes to our own voices. And the only thing that makes sense of those voices is the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus Christ, he is the one, he is the only one who can protect and lead and provide And anything or anyone else that seeks to take you somewhere else than the good shepherd does, they are thieves and they are robbers. The best case is a hireling and a hireling leaves you all alone. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be alone. Let me end with these couple of ideas here. And I need you to think about these things. So let's just review. I got plenty of time. This world is much more dangerous than we think. There are all sorts of people with all sorts of ideas and sometimes even our own ideas and in and of themselves, we don't know if they're good or not. Which means we do need to be protected. We do need to be provided for. We do. We were created for abundant life. Only the good shepherd provides that. The reason that we have such a difficult... Look, I I imagine when I started preparing for this sermon... It's like, oh, man, the sheep and the shepherd. Ah, everybody knows the sheep and the shepherd, right? You want to know why this doesn't resonate with us or sometimes you, you, you say it's foreign to us or it's not practical in this modern world? It's not because we can't relate to sheep and shepherd. You don't have to know anything about sheep and shepherd to understand what this passage is talking about. The issue we have with the sheep and the shepherd motif is we're going to have to admit 
That if we are like sheep, we really are in danger. And if we are like sheep and we really are in danger, we really need a good shepherd. And we don't like it because the good shepherd might just shake things up a little bit. But I'm here to tell you, if something shakes me up a little bit, however much shaking it takes, if it's the good place to go, then it's worth it. I didn't get it in the bulletin, but there was a quote that I wanted to share with you. It's a quote many of you have probably heard before, but it ties everything together that we've been talking about. Tim Keller says, To be loved and not known is superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be known and loved, it transforms you. Now let me tie it into this sheep and shepherd motif. The world says they love you, but they sure don't know you. Because if they knew you, you, you would, there would be some things that they're not going to love about you. Right? The world says I love you, but they don't know you. If the world knows you, the danger is if they know the good and the bad that's in your heart, the danger is they're not going to love you. The good shepherd knows you perfectly inside and out, all the good and the bad, and he loves you. And to be known and to be loved is exactly what the good shepherd does, and that's what everybody needs. And the bottom line is that is abundant life. There is nothing better. You want to know how we know the good shepherd loves us and knows us? He proved it by dying for you, only to rise again so that we could rise and live with him. That's the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I do pray. I pray that, um, that your voice was heard, the voice of the good shepherd was heard this morning as we went through this passage and I do pray that you would soften our, soften our ears, that we would hear. And that as we hear, we would be more like this blind man who can now see. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what I even say to myself. What matters is what you say. And we will follow you wherever your voice takes us. Help us to be that people. Help us to be that people here in this church and in this community and across this world because we do need a good shepherd. We know you're the good shepherd, and I pray that we respond to you as your sheep. In Jesus' name, amen.